0: Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. 20 minutes a day. 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast.
1: What is up, Packer fans? Happy Victory Monday. Welcome into an all new episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. The Packers are going to the playoffs version of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Pack a Day thanks so much for being here. It is a victory Monday. The Packers had everything to play for in week 18. The opportunity to go to the playoffs, the opportunity at a winning season, the opportunity to avoid hard knocks, the opportunity to beat the Bears for a second time this season and keep Matt LaFleur undefeated against the Chicago Bears. Everything felt like it was on the line. Everything was on the line in this game. And just because Green Bay had a ton to play for and Chicago didn't, doesn't necessarily mean that makes it any easier. Flashback a season ago against Detroit. You know, Chicago was going to come in and try to knock Green Bay out. And while the score was 17 to nine, felt close, nervous moments, not a perfect game. Green Bay controlled that game through the entirety. It never really felt like, even though the score was close, and you always had that feeling of like, oh, it's like they're one bad play away from this going maybe in the wrong direction. It never did. And Green Bay, you know, really outside of from the very beginning of the game, they led pretty much throughout. And they they dominated the game without dominating the scoreboard. Now, that's not okay. You still have to take advantage of those situations and those scenarios. And we'll talk about that as the episode goes on. But they ultimately took care of business. They're going to the postseason. And Some people might say, well, are we really getting that worked up? They're the seventh seed. Just a few years ago, the seed didn't even exist. Like, yeah, they get in the playoffs, but now they have to go to Dallas. They're favored by over a touchdown to lose. I guess I should say the the Cowboys are favored by over a touchdown to win in this game. Are we going to get that excited? Yes. Yes, we are going to get that excited about it. First of all, because you never apologize for a playoff berth. You never apologize for a playoff team. There are teams that go over a decade without reaching the playoffs. Never don't, you know, don't ever not celebrate a playoff appearance in the NFL. You take it anytime you can get it. Number two, this is the youngest team in football with a first year starting quarterback. This is first year starting. Obviously what I mean by that obviously is, you know, what fourth year in the league now, but you had no idea what to expect coming into the season. You might've thought you knew what to expect, but you had no idea. You had no idea if Jordan Love was going to be Uh, even a starting caliber quarterback. We thought he was going to be, but you have no idea. This could have been Desmond Ritter or Sam Howell or Bryce Young. It could have gone in that exact same direction, but it didn't. Jordan proved again and again and again, and on the biggest stage of all, when the playoffs are on the line, that he is the guy. He is the franchise. Protect him at all costs. That's worth celebrating. The fact that this team started two and five. Now they still, it's not like somebody else dug the hole for them and pushed the Packers in a two and five hole. They went into a two and five hole on their own volition. Like they, they got themselves in it. But for this young team, when things did not look great and they had some tough opponents coming up and their backs were against the wall, they found a way to overcome it. And then they got on a bit of a winning streak. And then guess what happens? They get humbled again. They get beaten by Tommy DeVito they get beat up by Baker Mayfield. And when their backs are against the wall again, and it feels like this is not a playoff team, they're not going to make it. They beat the Panthers. Whoopee. They one of the worst teams in football. What, what can you take away from that? They allowed 30 points in that game, but it got them back on the right track. Not too dissimilar from that Rams game when they won that game. I know they won the, or lost the Steelers game after, but that got them going in the right direction. The win against the Panthers got them going back in the right direction. They beat the Vikings. They beat the Bears. They get into the playoffs. And that is a journey that you can celebrate for this team. If this was, I don't know, Aaron Rodgers in an MVP caliber season and you sneak in, the, like, even if it's just last year, like, right? Even if the Packers snuck in last year in a similar sort of circumstance when you're still trying to cling on to a, a team that you thought was a Super Bowl competitor maybe it doesn't feel so great getting the seventh seed and just sneaking in, whatever. With this team and how young they are and some of the, the peaks and valleys that they had through the course of the season, I don't know how you can be anything but excited. And what I've said all along, my expectation for the journey from here on out is whatever, whatever happens, happens. I'm excited for this ride, whether that's one week or it goes well beyond that, we shall see. But my hope for this Packers team getting into the playoffs was exactly a what happened already meaning they overcame adversity you had a situation multiple times through this season where their backs were against the wall and they still came up big and they learned from their mistakes and they fought back they never gave up they rallied together they overcame and that is going to help them moving forward they have learned a ton of lessons just through going through that adversity this season that's so valuable in and of itself Number two, you get in the playoffs, you go to Dallas against a team that is an experienced playoff team. I'm not saying they have great experience in the playoffs, but they are an experienced playoff team. They are expected to be one of the better teams in the playoffs. Now we'll see. I'm not saying that they're they're going to end up being that way. I actually think Green Bay has a legitimate chance to win this game, but this is a great, great test for this young Packers squad. And they might go into Dallas and Dallas might say, hey, we are two tiers ahead of you. We have been here before. We have suffered some of the losses that you're about to experience. We are just a little bit more mature as a franchise and as a team right now with the team that we have together than what you guys are. And we're going to show it to you this week. And that'll be humbling for Green Bay if that happens. I'm not saying it's going to, but if it does, that'll be humbling. But that is an experience that they get. They get an extra week of practice together, they get an extra game together, they get the opportunity to see what playoff pacing is like, how you play that extra game, the intensity, the speed of the game, all of it. How a team specifically game plans to take away the things that you're good at, they're going to spend a lot more time this week because it's winner go home, everything ratchets up like 10 notches. And even if Green Bay does go into Dallas and get humbled, that is an experience worth having. No questions about it. So the vibes are awesome because this Packers team is going to the playoffs. They earned it. In my opinion, they deserved it. I can't wait to see what happens from here. Good, bad, or ugly. This is a huge learning opportunity for this team. And you never know. You just never know. This is a sport where if your team gets hot at the right time, it's not always about like as much as we love single elimination, you know, sports, whether it be NCAA March Madness or the NFL playoffs. It is the most fun version of you know sports in my opinion. When it's one game, win or go home, the stakes are insane. It's it, it, literally you cannot get bigger stakes than that. That's when it's at its best. However, it doesn't always necessarily mean that the best team wins every time through. A ball, a random ball bouncing in the wrong direction in a, in a game here or there can change everything. All right? Patriots, Giants. Undefeated team versus the Giants that you know squeaked past a few teams, Eli Manning, David, Tyree, catch on the helmet. You play that game a hundred times. I think the Patriots win it like 85. But on that particular day, on that specific Sunday, the Giants won. Do I think the Giants were the best team on that season? No. No way, no chance. The Patriots were easily the best team on that season. But on that Sunday, the Giants were the better team. And do I think that every Super Bowl winner over the course of time was the best team in their given season? No. A lot of times it doesn't happen. It doesn't mean it's worth any less. It doesn't mean that they're not Super Bowl champions. They are. That's the rules of the game. That's how the NFL is played. But in the NFL and in these single elimination tournaments, anything can happen. You have a puncher's chance. Get in. See what happens. See if you get hot. So we have a ton to discuss today. I wanted to start off with my overall excitement, energy, positivity, could not be more pumped for this team being in the playoffs, cannot wait for Packers-Cowboys. We have a ton to discuss, but before we get there, really quick, wanted to shout out all our new Packaday podcast members, Midnight Rose, Showtime, Joe Mama, Aaron Chevalier, Ryan Hanson, Tad Samato, Kevin Now, Lou Malnati. Tyler Gray, Ben Green, Michael Krieger, Tim N, John Schmidt, Walter Schuda, Matthew Bunny Poker one Precious Pathfinder, and Dustin Wickert. Guys, people are signing up for Packet A podcast memberships, left or right. I will leave it at that. Check it out. You will not be disappointed. All right. Let's jump into the nuts and bolts of all of this. Like I said, we have a ton to discuss, and there is no spot that we can start besides Jordan Love we have already learned quite a bit about Jordan through the course of this season. I I've talked about all season of like every game is like unwrapping a little present of Jordan. Like you get to learn something new and you're getting another evaluation and you get to see what it's like. It's like a a present every single week and you don't know what it's going to be always. Sometimes it's not so great. Sometimes it's amazing, but every, every, every game's another evaluation. And I said a few weeks back, like even, even after we could clearly tell that Jordan was the guy a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago, whatever it was, um, these games were still important to evaluate Jordan. We were still learning from him overall. We're still in a pretty small sample size for his career, but we have seen better accuracy through the course of the year. We have seen playmaking. We've seen running ability. We've seen athleticism. We've seen off-platform throws. We've seen off-schedule throws. We've seen improvisation, ability to navigate a pocket. We've seen almost every single trait from Jordan that we've kind of needed to see. Sometimes it hasn't been as great. And again, there's been some hiccups along the way to be expected. But overall, we've seen almost we've checked almost every single box through the course of the year. There's one, you know, kind of box that was left as a unknown. And that's the the clutch gene. The does he have the ability to come through in the biggest moments? and perform at that level. Now, to some extent, you might say, well, we saw him on Thanksgiving. We saw him on Sunday night football against the Chiefs, and he was pretty darn good in those games. Agreed. All right. Those are big games, big performances. I, that, that at least gets you there a little bit. But in a win or go home game, this is basically the equivalent of a playoff game. We can call it a play-in game, whatever we want to call it. It's win and you advance, lose and you go home. So it's the same structure. How does he perform? Bears, good defense. There's a lot of flaws with the Chicago Bears team. They've been playing some pretty darn good defense as of late. How does he handle this game? Well, he goes 27 of 32, 316 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, did have a big fumble. We'll discuss that in a second, but he was 27 of 32 and two of those incompletions were should have been all time highlight, real touchdown throws. If Romeo Dobbs and Bo Melton hold on to those two throws those, both of them go on his career hall, you know, I can't say hall of fame, but career uh and highlight reel, they both go on that. Just so happened that Melton maybe, or maybe not, I don't know, who knows if he actually, if that should have been a touchdown, shouldn't have been a touchdown. I didn't have a major issue with it. Like there's clearly some gray area there of, to I don't know, whatever. They didn't count it. It doesn't count. It is what it is. The Packers won the game. Not going to get too upset about it, but That would have been a, like I said, on the all-time highlight reel, the throw to Romeo Dobbs early in the game would have been on the all-time highlight reel. It should have been 29 of 32 for like 340 yards with four touchdowns, no picks. That's what it should have been. The fumble, by the way, is a check that he makes at the line and should have had a receiver open. The receiver either didn't get the check. It is within the realm of possibility that he made the wrong check. Although my guess is that's probably not the case. He looks over there. There's no receiver looking. So then he goes and tries to make a play, has the first down, It's a bit unlucky that he like tries to avoid the defender with the ball, but the defender with his helmet hits the ball at the bottom and it goes flying out, gets even more unlucky that it doesn't go out of bounds. It just, of course, stays right along the sideline. Sometimes it's going to happen. It's a cost of doing business. Did he probably need to take a little bit better care of the ball in that situation? Yes. Was he trying to make a play on a big third down? Got a little bit unlucky? Yes. Am I going to nitpick the one fumble when he had a near perfect day outside of that? No. You could point to the interception at the end of the half Uh, that was almost an interception. Malik Heath did a good job breaking it up. In real time, and I'll have to go back and watch this on the all 22, it didn't feel like Malik did a great job of tracking it. I thought in real time, watching it from up in the press box, that Malik had the opportunity maybe to get under it a little bit more, almost felt like he misjudged it a little bit and then try to kind of go up with one hand and kind of play corner on the play. I'm not saying it was a great decision from Jordan, but it didn't look quite as egregious in real time. Like I said, I'll review that over the course of the week. Either way, even if it's picked off, it did not take any points off the board because you had that awful end of the half sequence, which we'll discuss as well. But if we're going to nitpick, there's a couple things you can nitpick. There were a couple throws that were a little bit wobbly, but still got there. we can put all that to the side. We can put all that to the side because Jordan was phenomenal in this game. And he's been phenomenal to end the season. He's been phenomenal for the vast majority of the season. He ends with a stat line. This is, this is a Aaron Rodgers-esque unbelievable season stat line. 372 out of 579, 64.2% completion percentage, 64.2%. 4,159 yards, 32 tutties, 11 interceptions, 96.1 QB rating. It is first year as a starter. 4,159 yards, 64.2 completion percentage, 32 touchdowns, 11 picks. Unbelievable. Not, I don't think in anyone's wildest dreams, Did you think, or did anyone think that Jordan was going to have this good of a season this quickly? And as I talked about with Perry and Alex on the post game show, if you haven't checked that out, highly recommend it. Unbelievably fun episode with those two. Uh, We did a live post game show um, that's over on YouTube. Um, You know, for Jordan, the first half of the season, even there were still, you know, those ups and downs. And it's like, I I really like a lot of what I'm seeing, but It's still a small sample size and there's still some things that you're like, ah, I just, I don't know. I I think I like it, but it's still a little bit tough to tell. There was still kind of that, I don't know, feel like midway through the season. It was up until about the Steelers game and then beyond where it was just like the light bulb switch went on the game slowed down. I asked him in the press conference after if there was a moment the game slowed down. He didn't really answer it. Um, Just kind of said throughout the season, every game, he gets a little bit better, a little bit cliche answer. That's fine. But um, it it is very clear that at some point the game slowed down for him. And we can throw the stats to the side. We can even like whatever. The stuff that he's doing, he is playing in rhythm better. He's playing out of uh, you know, out of pocket, and uh, like uh, whether it's off platform, whether it's off script, improvisation, he's doing all of that better. He is again throwing more accurate. He is again coming up with big plays in big moments. And I, I talked about it in the post game. I talked about it a few weeks ago. There is a feel eerily reminiscent to when Rogers was at his best, where when you're watching the game on TV and the ball leaves his hands. And again, you don't get to see what's going on downfield and the ball's just leaving his hands. There's that immediate feel and trust of like, oh, something good is going to happen. And at minimum, something bad is not going to happen. Like this is going to be putting an opportunity in a position for a Packer player to go make a play. And it's just like time after time after time that ends up being the case where every time the ball leaves his hands, you're thinking like, all right, they're going to get something good's going to happen here. That is a crazy feeling to have for a first-year starting quarterback, and the stuff that he is doing with his cadence at the line, getting defenders to, <laughs> getting—I'm laughing of just some of the stuff that he's doing in year one, getting the defenders to commit, checking out a plays. There's a little slant play to uh, Aaron Jones in this game on—I think it was a third down. He does a dummy cadence The he can tell that the the linebackers coming—they're they're blitzing him on the play. They've got five wide, including Aaron Jones on the outside matched up with a linebacker. He, It looks like, I can't say a million percent for sure, it looks like he checks to a slant underneath knowing that they're going to have to be in some sort of probably man coverage based on them bringing pressure and that Jones is going to come open easy underneath. He calls that linebacker comes through pretty much untouched. He knows he's going to get hit. He stands in there, delivers the throw, but it's not the throw. It's not even the stand and deliver, which are also important. You still have to stand in there. You still have to be accurate, but the ability to go through a cadence, understand that they're going to blitz, understand what options you have to beat the blitz, check to it, then make the right decision, stand in the pocket, make the throw. On tape, it looks like a, a seven yard completion to Aaron Jones. Ho hum, who cares? In real life, that crap is amazing in year one. Like whole like again, goosebumps, chills, what it's 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 unbelievable that he's doing this in his first year as a starter. I don't care that it's his fourth year. He's 20, he just turned 25 in November. And yes, he had the benefit of learning from Aaron Rodgers. By the way, there's a moment in this game in year one as a starter where he sees that the Bears are subbing. And he does the Aaron Rodgers, get everyone up to the line, get everyone set and make sure that they can see if they can get a free playoff in year one as a starter. He is, he's doing special stuff and I'm at a loss. I don't know what else to say. It is unbelievable that he has come so far so fast and we've got to see this develop through the course of a season. He is playing at a extremely, High level right now, he is playing as good as any quarterback going into the postseason. I'm not saying he's as good as any quarterback in the postseason. A lot of guys have a lot more experience, have played a lot more, have a lot larger sample size, and we can evaluate Jordan down the road. But he is on one right now. And one thing I've learned about Jordan Love over the years is when he gets in a rhythm, and when he uh, is on one, I'm not just saying in like games or whatever. I'm saying in practices and training camp. When he gets in a rhythm. Um, He can be extremely dangerous and he is in a rhythm. He is feeling it right now. He is seeing the field extremely well. Dallas is going to have a great game plan for him. I guarantee it. This is going to be a tough Dan Quinn defense. Micah Parsons, a ball hawking defense. Marquise Bell in the middle is playing great. Like they're just, they're a tremendous, tremendous group of players that play so fast. This is going to be a difference for Green Bay playing in Dallas with that crowd it, this is a, another huge test. And this is again, why I love that the Packers are in the playoffs because they get this experience, but I can't wait to see Jordan take on this defense. And again, even if it's a rough game, it's going to be a great learning experience. I've I've checked every box for Jordan. I've seen what I need to see. I think you all have too. He's, he's it. They did it again. I'm not saying they've got another hall of famer. I'm not going there yet, but they did it again. They got their franchise quarterback, third one in a row. Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love, back-to-back-to-back franchise QBs. What a time to be alive. What a, what an awesome time to be a Green Bay Packer fan. So glad that this was the timeline of Packer fandom that I got to be a part of as my first game ever going to a, a game at Lambeau Field was Brett Favre's pass to Kittrick Taylor. And here I am just a few years later. And it's, it's going in this direction again. It's so, so freaking cool. And like I said, that's where you start off because it take everything else away. Whatever else happens for this season, whatever else happens, this is the big victory. You got your QB. No more important position in all of sports and the Packers hit it out of the park again.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: What's going on Packer fans? It is time that you make Little Caesars, which is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day routine. If you guys know anything about me whatsoever, you know that I love pizza, that every time the Packers win, I have a victory pizza. And what you should also know is that victory pizza is from Little Caesars. I This is no joke, Little Caesars, by far and away, my favorite pizza What you can do is you can order online during their Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday, and then you can get ready for football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza, pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. For me, I have the same order every single time. I'm going with their hot and ready pizza, pepperoni, no questions about it, and more importantly than anything else, always, 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 always get the crazy bread. It is in my opinion, the best food that you can get on the market. I'm not joking. I love crazy bread. Love, love, love crazy bread. Get it every single time. You win when you get crazy bread. And speaking of winning, literally everyone scores with convenient delivery or their in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends, enjoy a few slices during the game, and always get your victory pizza from Little Caesars. You won't regret it. Pizza, pizza. Hey, friends. That was until I found GameTime. GameTime is so easy to use with a low price guarantee, event cancellation protection, easy to find tickets, and an even easier to use app. GameTime is the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through emails and have those same panicky moments that I did the day of a game. So next time you're buying tickets, make sure you snag them using GameTime, stress-free. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PACADAY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACADAY for $20 off. Oh, and Game Time is also a great way to buy tickets for a holiday gift. Just make sure to use code PACADAY. Download GameTime Today, last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. All right, let's talk about the defense. All right. The defense deserves a ton of credit. And yes, back to back, non-great passing opponents. Uh, back-to-back games against offenses that are a little bit disjointed, especially the Vikings game. But I like how they played these past two games. They played much more disciplined. There were a couple of mistakes here, there. Rashawn Gary jumps off sides. Uh, There's a play where DJ Moore comes on a crosser and gets a huge gain where there's a miscommunication. There's a play between Jair Alexander and Carrington Valentine that left EQ wide open that there was a miscommunication. A lot to work on still. Uh, This is not a this is not a great defense. I have zero faith in this defense moving forward. Just I've been burned for too many years. So in no way am I crowning them after two games. But these two games were great. I really liked the way they played overall. I thought they were disciplined. I thought they were much more communicative. I thought the back-end concepts matched their rush concepts up front. I thought they were more aggressive. I thought they rallied to the football together better. I thought they played as 11 players playing team defense rather than 11 dudes doing their own thing. I liked, I said it a week ago. I know that the class of the opponent was not great, but I thought there were things just like when Green Bay played the Steelers in the offense, you saw some sparks from that offense. And I said at the time, I think there's going to be some things that they can carry over and be better with. I said the same thing about the defense after the, the Vikings game to a lesser level. Again, I'm not crowning anyone here. But I I thought there were some takeaways from that game. I thought it carried over against the Bears. And now we see. Now we see if it's better. I I thought there was a lot to celebrate in this game from a defensive standpoint. Five sacks, many of them on third downs. 10 total tackles for loss. Less than 200 total yards allowed. Less, or excuse me, nine exact points allowed. 25 rushes for 75 yards. 25 rushes for 75 yards. That's their entire offense. And you know... This is not a big-time passing team that they wanted to come in and establish the run, and they never could. Whether it was field scrambling, whether it was fields with designed runs, they're just their running game. None of it, none of it worked. Uh, three yards per carry on the day for Chicago. Devontae Wyatt, I said last week, he's getting closer and closer to becoming a big-time impact player. He made a big-time impact play in this game. Almost had a couple other ones. It feels like he's coming into his own a little bit more. I'm excited to see where that's going to head. Carl Brooks is another player who continues to catch everyone's eye. He comes up with a big play almost every single game. He's a rotational player. He's going to continue to get more playing time as time goes on. So excited about his development. I really liked how they used Quay Walker in this game. Uh, They used him a lot as a spy. They were a bit more aggressive with him. That worked really, really well. And I just I like the way that over two weeks against lesser opponents, yes, but I like the way that this defense is trending. And what that means for Joe Barry and Joe Barry's future, we can worry about down the road. I think everyone's still on the same page. There's a lack of trust there for the like legitimate reasons. And we'll see what this week brings against a really high powered Dallas passing attack that, you know, CeeDee Lamb and and those guys are going to be really tough to stop. And we're probably talking about Joe Barry in the defense again next week and we'll see. But right now, these two games, they deserve credit. Uh, I do think that it was right before the Panthers game, and I get the Panthers game didn't go well defensively, that Matt LaFleur said that he was going to have to get much more involved in the defense. Since that time, and again, Panthers game didn't go great. These last two games did. But since that time, they've been far more aggressive. We've seen more blitzing. We've seen a more attacking style of defense. Maybe Matt had a lot to do with that. Maybe Matt had nothing to do with that. I have no idea, but it was before the Panthers game. He said he was going to get more aggressive or sorry, that he was going to get more involved. And it does seem like they've had a much different mentality from that point on. So yes, I do think the Packers defense deserves a lot of credit. And l- listen, even when Green Bay was not putting up the points that they needed to in this game, if you would have told me that Green Bay scored 17 points, I'd be like, ah, oh, that's probably not enough. So that's probably not enough. Uh, They didn't get the point production that they needed. Anders Carlson missed the field goal. We'll talk about that. But um, I I would have said, I I don't know. I think Chicago probably outdoes that. And despite Green Bay missing some point opportunities, you had the series before halftime. The defense never really allowed Chicago to get any foothold in the game whatsoever. They went down and scored right away. Held them to a 50-plus yard field goal, if I remember correctly, that bounces off the uprights. It, it, It was a really... Really sound defensive performance. I think really Chicago's only chance at a touchdown is the play where Carrington Valentine should have had an interception, but probably should have been a touchdown if Fields makes a better throw. Should have been an interception if Valentine can just hold on to the ball. I guess you split the difference and the Bears get a field goal out of it. But uh, yeah, I, solid day for the defense. They deserve credit and we'll take it one step at a time from here. And we've got a lot of time down the road to, to talk about the entire Joe Barry situation. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you that when Matt makes this decision at the end of the year, it's not just going to be about, well, they played great against Justin Fields and Nick Mullins and Jaron Hall. This will be a three-year evaluation of what he's seen from three years of Joe Barry. I still don't think the resume is good enough. I think, again, almost everyone's on that same page. We can talk about that down the line. Today's the day to celebrate going to the playoffs. And right now, Joe Barry deserves credit for the defense's performance these past two weeks, despite it being crappy offensive opponents. And I'll just say one more thing. It's not like, you know, crappy offensive opponents have like not been able to put up points against Green Bay this season. There have been plenty of instances where crappy offensive opponents have put up a lot of points and Green Bay has made them look like superstars. So at least this is an improvement, even if it is going against crappy offensive opponents. All right. Seems like every week we're talking about these young offensive weapons. Jaden Reed, four for 112. Dontavian Wicks, six for 61 and two touchdowns. Bo Melton, five for 62. Kraft, three for 31. Musgrave in limited time at the one catch for 11 yards. Even Malik Heath, three catches, nine yards, but his was a lot more about some of the blocking on the outside. Had a couple really nice blocks um, on some screen passes and just some quick passes to the outside. I love this wide receiver core. And we can talk about Christian Watson and his injury another day. I'm, I'm not concerned about it because Green Bay has the depth at wide receiver. Romeo Dobbs goes out injured. It's crazy the embarrassment of riches that they have at that position. They're without Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, and Samore Toure. You went into this season saying Toure, Dobbs, and Watson are have to be the veterans of this group. They're the second year guys. You go almost the entirety of this game outside of, I think, the first drive with Dobbs without those three guys and Jaden Reed, Dontavian Wicks, Bo Melton, Malik Heath, you feel totally fine. There's not even like a question. And part of that's because you have Kraft and Musgrave and Aaron Jones, Jordan Love playing the way that he is. But how talented that entire group of wide receivers is, and I've said it over and over and over and over and over and over again, so I'm sorry, but the different types of wide receivers in fact, the biggest crossover might be like Jaden Reed, Bo Melton as to like similar types. Wix Wicks was nasty with his route running again. Uh, I do think Dobbs needs to be a little bit better as the possession guy, but that, again, that's another story for another day. Christian Watson, we know what ability he has once he, you know, when he's actually in the game this, they have all different flavors and types of wide receivers that can do all different sorts of things. And sometimes for like Malik Heath, it's not always the sexiest. Sometimes it's a three yard catch. Sometimes it's a block on the outside. You have to have guys that can do that as well. He's kind of a cheaper version of Alan Lazard. And you're, you're cool with that for the sixth wide receiver from a playmaking standpoint of the group. That's awesome. And he can help you every single game, just like Ben Sims can. Ben Sims is another guy. He's not going to get a ton of touchdowns, catches, yards, anything, but he has a great role within this team, and it's a needed role within this team. If they, if that, you know, Ben Sims with another Luke Musgrave, you'd be like, awesome, we have another Luke Musgrave. But you kind of still need a Ben Sims. You kind of need a little bit of a tough-nosed guy that can block. Same thing as a wide receiver on the outside. If they had another playmaker, awesome. But you need kind of somebody that can go out and and block and set those screens uh, and set those uh, picks or whatever it is, just block on the outside for some of those wide receivers on those quick bubbles. It it takes all types and Green Bay has all of them. And that's a huge credit to Goody and his staff for second round pick Jaden Reed, fifth round pick Dontavian Wicks, poach off of the practice squad, Bo Melton, third round pick Tucker Kraft, second round pick Luke Musgrave, undrafted free agent Malik Heath. Fifth round, fourth or fifth round pick, uh, fourth round pick, Romeo Dobbs. Second round pick, Christian Watson. Back in the day, fifth round pick, Aaron Jones. Second round pick, A.J. Dillon. Undrafted, poached off the waiver wire, Ben Sims. All different ways of acquiring, yet here they are. And they have everything they need. They have everything they need at their disposal from a weapon standpoint. And I'm going to say it once more. Bo Melton, not a fluke. This is legit. He's He's really freaking good. He is really freaking good. He's only going to get better. I'm I could not be more thrilled. They've got they've got a lot of weapons on this offense. And it's going to you add Jordan Love with those weapons, just keep that offensive line, you know, going moving forward. Keep them healthy. K- keep developing depth and talent on that line. You're going to be in great hands, literally, for the foreseeable future. Speaking of young, not young, but talented playmakers, Aaron Jones. You know, what is uh, Mike Wall call him? Uh, like what lighter fluid for this offense? Uh, he's so right. He is. It's just it's crazy. I was I rewatched the game, and it's he's just a little lightning bug. He's like a he just goes. It's like almost like for the X Men nerds out there, it's like he's Nightcrawler. He's just like it's just one spot and then he's in another, and it happens so fast. And I think this is nothing This is not a knock on AJ Dillon, but watching so much of the slow developing, you know, AJ Dillon runs through the course of the year. And then you just get nightcrawler coming in and teleporting from one spot to the other on a, like out of nowhere. And it's just, it is so like impressive to see him still at this stage of his career, have that ability and agility to get to the spots that he needs to on the field and just make so many times something out of nothing. Now I will say, I thought this was the best the offensive line blocked, at least in real time. We'll see what the all 22 says. But in real time, I thought this was the best the offensive line has looked from a run blocking standpoint all season long. Great, great day to have that. That's another weapon that they can have moving forward if they can continue that. But Aaron Jones doesn't need a ton. And sometimes it's like the, the best thing about Jones is it can be like not even remotely the way that the run is supposed to go, and it doesn't matter. He's just, he has incredible vision to all areas of the field, can cut back and go forward, can, it's little, little tiny creases turn into big gains for Aaron Jones and his ability to just dart all over the field at a moment's notice is it's a superpower, just like Nightcrawler. I'm going to keep going back to it. It is fun to watch him run the football. Another impressive performance from him. The sixth Packer in history with 8,000 total career yards. Kudos to Aaron Jones for that. Green Bay was not without their mistakes. Anders Carlson is an issue right now. That's a field goal he has to make. That you've reached a point, and it, it, you're really always at this point. You the NFL is too close to leave points on the board. Whether it's extra points, whether it's field goals, the, it's it is the the margin is razor thin every single week, and it gets even more thin when you're in the playoffs or in these must win games. That that legitimately could have cost them. And thankfully it didn't. There's no better option. I get that. They could theoretically pick up Mason Crosby off the Giants practice squad. They're not going to do that. I don't think the answer is just cutting him or doing anything like that right now. I do think probably bringing someone else in potentially, you know, wrecks that whatever confidence is there. You probably just have to stick through it for the remainder of this year. That's probably your best option. And hopefully he just gets on a hot streak, but it's an issue. I don't know where it goes from here. I hope it just goes on a hot streak and again, continues to, or like starts to kick better. But as as mentioned, the, the margins are razor thin. You can't leave points on the board. And it's it's just every single week, you don't know what you're going to get out of Anders Carlson in any given moment. The other special teams had a tough day. There were multiple, obviously the Carlson missed field goal is the big one, but multiple returns past the 30 yard line might only be the 32 or 33 instead of the 25. It's still, it's like, Anders Carlson's also known for his leg. Just kick it out of the end zone or kick it further, like make it so that they really don't want to return that kick. It feels like they're maybe getting a little bit cute with it and maybe like wanting them to return to try to get them inside the 20, just kick it off kick it out of the end zone. Uh, I I thought this was a tough day for the special teams. Um, I will say though, I know a lot of people were like going nuts over the play where the uh, bear player batted it from the end zone. And I think it was Ballantyne caught it and tried to do something with it. It's a weird situation, but once the opposing team touches the ball, nothing bad can happen from that point forward. It's the equivalent of a free play on special teams. You are coached as your your special teams players are coached. Once the other team touches the ball, go and try to make a play because nothing bad can happen. If... I joked about this in the the post game with Perry and Alex as well, but like if Ballantyne would have picked it up and turned around and punted it out of his own end zone, 30 yards up into the stands, Green Bay would have had the ball first and 10. It's not a safety. If Ballantyne would have, you know, caught it, handed it to the other player and the other player returns it for a touchdown would have been Green Bay's ball first and 10. Nothing bad can happen after the Chicago Bears player touches the ball. They have downed the ball at that point it's downed. If, worst case scenario is Green Bay gets it where it's downed. That's the worst case scenario that can happen. And then, but it's not dead yet when it's down, when it's touched. So it's not dead, but it's downed, which means that anything bad goes, you get it back to that point. But if the Bears player taps it back and carrying, uh, sorry, Corey Ballantyne catches it and he runs it 99 for a touchdown, it's not downed, you get the touchdown. So it's like, Again, it's the equivalent of your special team's free play. So it was actually a heads-up play by Ballantyne. Nothing bad could have happened on the play. The only thing that could have potentially gone wrong would have been if the Bears player tapped it out And it was he was not in the end zone. So he was down at the one yard, like it would have been down at the one yard line. And when he tapped it, if it would have gone into the end zone, meaning that like it was gonna like fall backwards, or maybe it wasn't gonna get out all the way. So it would have been a touchback. But instead, because he caught it, now you're down at the one-yard line, that's about the only thing, and that's an extreme example of like one fluky thing that could happen. So I don't hate that play by Ballantyne. That's how you're coached. And it was a good actual heads-up play from him, even though it looks awful and like, oh, that could have been a safety. Never could have been a safety. Nothing bad could have happened. It was actually not a bad play. Um, and then, of course, the other big mistake, though, was the entire sequence before halftime. You have to, have to, have to, have to call that timeout after the sack of Justin Fields before they kick the field goal. You get double bonus, Right. You get the timeout, which does the old icing of the kicker, and you get 40 seconds back on the clock. And you might say, well, Andy, they still had a minute 17, and this way they had two timeouts. If you call the timeout, yeah, you get like a minute, uh, what was it, minute 50, but now you only have one timeout. Here's always the way that you want to view it. When you are on defense, if you don't stop the clock there, they're going to take the 35, 40 seconds off the clock. And you can't do anything about it unless you call the timeout. You have no control. If you are on offense, you have things that you can do to stop the clock that are under your control. You can spike the ball, you can run out of bounds, you can do a variety of different things, but you have control of, you know, more control over how to stop the clock in those situations. On defense, you don't. So you want to call the timeout, save the 40 seconds, because in all likelihood, you can run a lot of plays in 40 seconds with spikes in between or whatever you need. And if you've got like what would have amounted to almost two minutes with one timeout, that to me is much better than 117 with two timeouts. So again, Green Bay still had every opportunity to get a field goal. Then it compounds things by Tucker Kraft not going out of bounds on a play. That was a big mistake. Jordan almost throws the pick. Again, I'll look at that again, but it looked like maybe Malik could have done a better job of tracking it. Either way, probably not the right decision. And then you've got the great play by Chicago and a not smart move by Green Bay to throw it gets knocked backwards and you end up with no opportunity to kick a field goal three points on the missed field goal by Carlson, three points on a, a big mistake. It might've been even a miss seven points if they've got the timeout after the, the sack and before the field goal, they they got right down the field. I think they would have had time maybe to try to go for a touchdown. Instead, they end up with zero before half, zero on the missed field goal. Those things come back to haunt you in most games. Thankfully, Green Bay's defense and overall, they played well enough still to win, but those are things that you gotta get cleaned up moving forward. All right, some miscellaneous stuff no hard knocks for the Packers. They officially uh, will not be forced to do it because they did make the playoffs. That's one of the things where if you meet certain criteria, you could get forced to do it. But if you make the playoffs, you're no longer forced. So Green Bay gets out of it. They cannot be forced to do hard knocks this year. Packers future opponents have been set. Next year at home, they will face the Arizona Cardinals, the San Francisco 49ers, the Houston Texans, CJ Stroud versus Jordan Love. Can't wait for that. Indianapolis Colts, Anthony Richardson, Jordan Love. Can't wait for that. New Orleans Saints, Miami Dolphins, Chicago Bears, Minnesota Vikings, and Detroit Lions. On the road, they will go to Seattle to face the Seahawks, LA Rams, Jacksonville Jaguars, Tennessee Titans, Philadelphia Eagles, Chicago Bears, Minnesota Vikings, and Detroit Lions. That will be their 2024 schedule. They will not face Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets. There was a chance of that happening. That did not happen because the Dolphins and the Packers finished in the same s- spots in their respective divisions. So they faced the Dolphins and not the Jets. Had the Jets and the Packers both finished in the same spots in their division, Aaron Rodgers and the Jets would have come to Lambeau Field. Instead, they get to a tug of Iloa and the Miami Dolphins. Green Bay still could get As high as the 19th pick in the draft, if they were to lose this week, they would pick 19th, so they would still pick in the top 20. If they win the Super Bowl, they would be picking 32, so they will pick somewhere between 19 and 32, depending on when they get eliminated. All right, uh, a couple other miscellaneous points. I mentioned earlier this week, uh, when I talked to Mike Wall, and I think I might have mentioned it one other time, that I thought maybe that Green Bay would think about platooning Corey Valentine and Carrington Valentine on the outside opposite Jair. Valentine got the start and the majority of the snaps, but there was some platooning later in the game where, just as I had sort of said or thought or maybe they would do, Ballantyne was in on earlier downs because he's, a, in my opinion, and I, clearly the Packers' opinion too, better run defender and tackler. And then in more obvious pass situations, it was Carrington Valentine on the field. So we did see a little bit of platooning between those two. Romeo Dobbs and Zach Tom were the two injured players on the day. Zach Tom seemed to have a thumb or a finger sort of issue. He got it taped up, went back in, then went to the locker room, then went back in. So he was out a couple different times. My guess is he's going to be able to go since he went the almost the entirety of the second half. But I want to keep an eye. The bigger one though is Romeo Dobbs, who had a chest injury and did not return to the game. Christian Watson, meanwhile, apparently wasn't that close. Matt Lafleur said he used a little bit of gamesmanship on Friday. Had a feeling it was trending in the direction that he was not going to play, but wanted to make it you know, basically for the the Bears, for them to think that Watson was going to play. So he used a little gamesmanship, but it sounds like he was not trending in any direction to actually play in the game. Uh, We'll have to see what that brings this week. Matt already said something like, well, I'm not going to rule him out. It kind of feels like maybe he's not that close, but that'll be another injury to keep an eye on this week. Grant Dubose, who they activated from the practice squad, was inactive for this game. My guess is they wanted to protect themselves and have him available uh, prior to the game in case Jaden Reed or Dontavian Wicks went out there and, like, all of a sudden something happened and they weren't able to go, so that they could activate him if need be and could play him. Uh, my guess is it was more of an insurance policy than anything else. But he, in fact, was not active for the game. Dallas Cowboys, three thirty p.m. on Fox Sunday in Dallas. Dallas have uh, The Cowboys, I should say, have not lost at home all season long, which of course means that they are due to lose at home. Mike McCarthy, head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, this is a fun game. I cannot wait for this one. Cowboys, I heard, opened a seven and a half point favorites. That was per Alex Stroff. I have not had a chance to look at that uh, my, as, as of yet myself, but it sounds like that was the opening line. That was a little high. I, I, thought, I, I thought it was going to be a little bit closer. I I think Green Bay can go in and win that game. I really do. We'll talk about it and break it down all week long. But listen, uh, their entire offense, CeeDee Lamb, is going to be a problem. And all the weapons that they have at wide receiver, problem. Prescott's going to be a problem. Micah Parsons rushing over Josh Myers whenever they want to, problem. They're going to cause some chaos for Green Bay. And I'm not saying I expect Green Bay to go in and get the win, I'm not predicting necessarily Green Bay to go in and get the win. I absolutely think Green Bay can go in and get the win though. We'll see. Need probably a couple bounces to go their way. I can't wait to break this uh, down through the course of this week. Can't wait to watch some Dallas Cowboys tape from the course of the season. Should be a fun one. Fox uh, gets the game. Greg Olson and crew are going to be on the call. So Green Bay gets the number one Fox crew. Should be a perfect Sunday for playoff football next week. Packers, Cowboys in Dallas. I don't think I have anything else to go over. Be excited. This is what we do this for. It's it's why we fan big games like this. Beat your rivals. Go to the playoffs. Jordan Love becoming the guy right in front of our eyes. Good day and good time to be a Green Bay Packer fan. I will see you all soon. As mentioned earlier, check out all the, the options for pack a podcast memberships. Ton of options available to you. Huge shout out to our Hall of Fame and All-Pro members, Most Hated Minnesotan, PJ Wynn, John Wild, Shea Bradad, Arnaldo Espinoza, Jennifer Wright, Boom Handle, Donald Lee, Lori Lord, Baby QB, MB1023, and David McCluskey. I appreciate you guys a ton. I will see you all right back here tomorrow. But until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go, and the Bears still suck.